Hey everybody and welcome back to Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I'm your party host Dave Ryan and I'm joined as always on the line by my comrades first, the platforming prodigy that is Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? You know, I realised um, yesterday or the day before that I hadn't watched like a single second of wrestling in at least a month. And the first thing that I watched was the Karrion Cross entrance on NXT, which was only slightly, I want to say less hokey than the last thing that I watched, which was the Boneyard match. <laughs> You've gone from the frying pan into the fire there with that. Something like that. I mean, I don't know why we're doing lip syncing in 2020 when Tom Holland, you know, slayed lip syncing about three years ago with his umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, here's the here's the thing right um like i I was saying this to you guys uh in our chat it's like it's half of a good entrance because i think maybe the way it's shot is pretty cool but like yeah as soon as it's the lip sync i'm out you know and it seemed to have divided people like i i as but i get it i i get it like if you have scarlet bordeaux you'll want to make her you know a a focal piece of the entrance. I fully get where they're coming from in terms of trying to, you know, put a spotlight on her. But it's just... You can do that without having to lip sync. Like, her existing puts a spotlight on her. She could literally have done every movement she did in that entrance just without the lip syncing. Because as well, she's like like overdoing the lip syncing. And obviously the direction on that is that so she's used to it for when they're... um, when they're back in the arenas and she'll be obviously having to do the the facial expressions to the the back seats i like i just yeah i just didn't care for it at all um i I feel like it's a thing where they obviously think he's a big deal um but i i i I (laughs) it's just it it feels like one theatrical entrance too much they're really feeling their oats since they did the boneyard match and now it's just out of control yeah, I guess it's just a, a symptom of the times we're in at the moment where the, the theatrics, and it's not just uh, WWE, like they've ramped up the theatrics across the board because uh, it's it's one of the things that you can lean into at the moment. And, you know, I, I do get that. But I was just looking at it as like, I, I just don't care for this at all. And um, I just, yeah, I'm just as out of the loop as I've ever been when it comes to wrestling. And I'm not actually that fussed about it. Yeah, I, I, it's a thing where I like the stuff I'm watching at the moment is pretty like I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm starting to rewatch uh, Beyond's Uncharted Territory, and I'm gonna dip into a bit of Riptide. But uh, other than that, like I'm not really watching a lot of new stuff. I stuck Dynamite on for the first time in weeks and weeks while I was doing an essay the other night, and yeah, not, not really feeling the new stuff at the moment. Um. Also joined on the line, obviously, by the Roman Reigns of audio that is Jack Lazell. Jack, how has your week been? Uh, presumably watching a similar amount of no wrestling to us. Yeah, I have literally no idea about anything you just spoke about, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. it's a, So Karrion Cross is the former Killer Cross from TNA? Means nothing to me even then. Yeah, he he just showed up in NXT and like, is that Matt Cross? No, if, if, it's if, not. If, oh, I'll tell you what, I would love to see M Dog Twenty do that entrance. Um, I, I'll tell you what, Jack. I, I I will send it to you to watch in your spare time. It is incredibly silly. Um, it's like something out of a like 
I think it ends up being like an unintentional Rocky Horror moment, <laughs> like because it's really I, spooky, and then it's like, but it's really campy as well. I was saying to you in the chat the other day, it really gives me a lot of reminders of uh, Kevin Sullivan and Woman with a lot of the theatrics, obviously with 2020 WWE production, but there's a lot of that in there. And Rocky Horror is actually a really good uh, kind of source of, I, well, I wouldn't say inspiration, but you definitely can see that's being channeled into there yeah. intentionally or not. But uh, Jack, we, we, we've given Karrion Cross enough airtime. What, what have you been doing with yourself this week? <laughs> uh yeah just uh just watching lots of uh yeah non-wrestling stuff going on lots of walks again still playing way too much warzone and yeah just generally waiting to see whether things are gonna change anytime soon in this country so how are you two how are you two finding like routines and doing stuff kind of being <laughs> committed to going for walks or just doing anything to kind of stay active because like for me i mean part of it is the, is the girlfriend's kind of forced me to have a routine for like this month specifically <laughs> how to dare make sure. she <laughs> no which i'm i'm totally fine with because sometimes i just need to be forced into a routine so i completely appreciate she's done it and it's that you know it's forced me to get up in the morning uh, to do like a 10 minute stretch and then I've got like just kind of some small exercises to do during the day for lunch and in the evening and it's good and it's good to keep that routine like I don't know if you guys have I mean Dave you have a dog so that yeah. I guess forces you to you know go for walks and stuff yeah I, um, but I, yeah I, like have you got routines with that kind of stuff so I, I have um, I have the dog yeah obviously so I walk with him a couple of miles every day um, are like a circuit I, I found this out recently just doing my, with my pedometer app on my phone like uh, a round circuit of my estate is almost exactly one kilometer um which is really convenient to be able to to kind of measure how, how far i'm walking with him so i do the walks with him but then on like I'm, I'm doing bits in the garden like when you have a like a when you have a house with like a garden out the front and garden out the back there's always jobs to be doing um, so I have like a list of that stuff I've been knocking out and as well on work days I find I kind of add a little bit to the routine where I, I like on my lunch break I'll kind of do I thought you were going to say whiskey <laughs> yeah oh, if only um, because a lot of my work usually is based around working with groups of young people and obviously there are no groups of young people at the moment um, so a lot of my work is more kind of uh, goal based where it's like finish this bit of work finish that bit of work a lot of admin a lot of kind of like preparing things for uh, how could we do things differently or do things better when we get back and all kind of gearing up for that so uh, I'm taking my sweet time with that stuff and you know my work are encouraging me to do different courses and stuff and the course I have been doing for the last year wraps up next week um, but on those work days kind of I'll finish uh, a, a trench of work in the morning and then as my break I'll kind of walk somewhere whether it's kind of uh, the furthest supermarket I can get away from here is about two kilometers, which was until Tuesday just gone the radius we could get. So I feel like I've done okay. You know, again, I suppose I have a two week head start on you guys because I was in isolation uh, until uh, like the day I was supposed to come out of isolation was the day lockdown officially started in Ireland. Um, so like, I think I'm on like day 60 something at this stage. Um, so yeah, I, I think I've got it down pat. Like I, but you know, there's there's always the odd day where you wake up and you're like, oh, here we fucking go again. Um, but I, I think it felt like 
those days were every second day before where now it's like sure. I'll have a run of days where like this is just the new normal now you know uh, what about you Jack yeah I mean because I'm still working I think my days still have a relatively similar structure to what they were before mm. uh, if anything not commuting is actually a good sign like uh, not yeah. having to get the train into London every day and go through mm. all of that rigmarole and yeah, like having, you know, waking up, starting work, and then having a shower at lunchtime instead of, like, getting a Yeah, because I imagine morning. with you, you've probably gone from waking up at six to waking up at, like, half eight. <laughs> I, it's really funny, because I, I, uh, like, I thought Mark was going, like, with you, I imagine you don't shower at all. <laughs> hey, hey, Jack is a man who stays clean and very much always smells good whenever, whenever I see him. Thank you very much. Yes, I do pride myself on smell. Look out for the fragrance podcast coming on the Link to the Cast Network very soon. Uh, as I the cover the cast, yes, Musk cast exactly. This week on Musk cast Creed. Uh, no, so I I think I, I I kind of just have the that is the sort of scaffold you build everything else around. But it, I feel like I've got more spare a lot, like a lot more spare time. Uh, in, and I don't hate it. And I don't hate it, honestly, I don't. Because uh, I can do things like call up Dave at, like, 11 o'clock at night and speak about football for, like, two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> and it just not be a particularly big issue or anything like that, um, which, in a way, is a good thing. I think... We talked it, a lot about Ronaldo Nazario the other night. <laughs> yes. Uh, after I watched the documentary about Bobby Robson uh, and seeing... Uh, Ronaldo R9 uh, in his pomp at Barcelona it made me want to speak to Dave about it uh, yep so stuff like that uh, or you know watching one of Mark's streams for a, an hour and a half here or two hours there or putting that on in the background while I'm doing it like that that's stuff that I might not have the time to do so I, I think I, I would like to by the way sorry to interrupt you Jack but I would like to celebrate one Mark Robinson at this point not only for uh, for his twitch hustle but for uh, having this unbelievable knack that if I wake up and i have literally one thing to do during the day it will be exactly when mark is about to start a twitch stream and messages us <laughs> i can't tell you the amount of times i've been in the middle of making like a shepherd's pie or a lasagna or i've been out mowing the lawn or turning some soil or something like that and i see a message from 20 minutes ago oh yeah i'm just hopping on now guys it's like oh for fuck's sake that's right it's why i'm ramping up the youtube game as well mark it's, when it's are you gonna... his twitch channel until i see it when are you yeah. going to play Peggle with Maria? That's what I want to know. That's the uh, episode so, I'm waiting well, the, for. Well, the thing is, is um, she, so she let me know a few weeks ago that she was mad into Left 4 Dead 2 back in the day, uh, which took me by surprise because she's not like any kind of gamer at all. And I was like, Left 4 Dead 2? Well, like, fuck it, I have that. Let's play it. So we've just been playing that for the last couple of Sundays. I do want to like try some Peggle with her. I don't think she'll care too much for it. But um, it's it's in the pipeline still at some point. Well, I just think it's not a massive departure from from a Tetris. Although the two games that you've played together, that being Tetris and Left 4 Dead 2, the ones that I've seen anyway, that they're quite they're quite like big departures from each other. So yeah, I don't know. I quite like the idea of, of like rotating in a different game every week. Yeah, it's it is a plan. There's a bunch of things that I want to do. I mean, there's a bunch of things that I just want to play myself that. There's somehow still not enough time for all the things that I'm trying to do mm. and catch up on and like actually play games just for the hell of playing them. 
Um, so it's, yeah, have, have it, I mean, it's keeping to, me busy. So Have you started to get the thing that we had when we were playing, when we were doing a lot of the YouTube stuff a few years ago, where you feel now that if you're playing a game and you haven't hit uh, to start a stream that you feel like you're almost like cheating on it? Uh, not so much. Like I, I played, I'd say about three or four chapters of Doom over uh, streaming, but I've been more than happy to just play that in my own time. Mm. Um, and then I've been playing a bunch of Two Point Hospital just on my own because, like, you know, it's not really a game that requires, you know, to play in chapters or whatever. Uh, like, the, the Streets of Rage, I mean, I knew that that game would probably be a few hours and I could bash that out in a stream. So that was, like, always the goal. And because it was on, like, release date as well. So you think that, all right, you know, um, everyone's going to probably be trying to look at this. So if I can do that and get a YouTube video up the next day, maybe that will... Um, pick up some uh, traffic. It didn't, though. My review of uh, Weezer's new song got me about 130 views, and I think it's like the fourth or fifth video if you look for it on on YouTube. So, you know, you just got to play the game. I see. Are you then now attempting a career as a YouTube video music reviewer? Uh, no. I mean, let's be fair. The the need to drop Anti Fantano. <laughs> he he has that one down. Um, but, I mean, compared to some of the fucking yahoos that you see trying to do music reviews online, Why I'd probably be you? only, like, I'd only be, like, fourth or fifth uh, best, I'd say. So, yeah, I, I want to do some stuff. <laughs> so you just immediately put yourself in the top five of every music review. <laughs> I mean, or look, YouTube. there is some trash out he's, there. He's booking right. the territory for himself. Uh, I see, yep. So, yeah, as I said, there's some stuff I want to do. Um, and I still need to fucking get on with the, the Cuphead uh, no-hit runs. Like, I haven't started Island 2 yet because I'm a little bit scared, but I'll, I'll probably do some this week. You want to polish yeah. off Doom as well, boys, because uh, they have announced, uh, I think, There's just earlier today, some of yeah. the screenshots of campaign DLC, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad I have that one finished off, and I'm glad video game stores don't exist anymore for the time being that I wasn't able to trade that in. Yeah, although sadly, I guess it won't have uh, Mick Gordon doing the soundtrack by yeah, the sounds of things. Sadly. Um, yeah. But hey, uh, I'll tell you what, let's just get into what we've been what we've been watching, what we've been kind of uh, doing with our with our spare time. And um, I'm going to go to Jack first because he's watching season three of a show that's been on my list to watch season one of uh, for quite a while. Uh, so here's your chance to give me the sales pitch for Killing Eve. Uh, yeah, Killing Eve is is a it's a really interesting show. Uh, it, the dynamic between I think season one. So I would I thoroughly recommend watching season one, Dave, because it it so Phoebe Waller Bridge was on board at that point, so she didn't write season two or hasn't written any of season three. So I would say that I feel like season one is the strongest in terms of character dynamic. Just I think the relationships between the characters are much more interesting. But uh, the, the the basic premise is uh, a woman who works for MI6 becomes obsessed with this uh, female serial killer called Villanelle, played by Jodie Comer, who is really fucking awesome at accents. So therefore, pretty much every episode of her uh, tracking down the target and, and uh, being an assassin, she's in a different personality and different outfit and everything so like that that keeps things like really interesting and really fresh there's an element of dexter to it but like with a much more dry uh dark sense of humor even than that show which i think how, is pretty how many cool. how many monologues about a dark passenger are there <laughs> 
not many, if any, I would say. Uh, the pacing, the pacing in uh, Killing Eve is a lot more fun than it is in, in Dexter, because that, that I know they can get kind of sluggy. But uh, yeah, it it season three so far is interesting because so Villanelle is like a a Russian, she's a Russian agent and she is a psychopath as well so she has complete emotional detachment from everything she's doing in terms of killing all these people uh, and you meet in season three is her like pissed off uh former soviet ballet teacher mentor uh called dasha who just is not having any of any of anyone's shit and is just a fantastic character so she was doing laps in the swimming pool and stopped after two just to go and smoke a fag on the side and couldn't be bothered to continue that's the kind of energy levels i'm bringing at the moment in this lockdown so i was like right yep she's she's encapsulating the way i feel about life um but yeah it's been a pretty brutal season so far so obviously a show about murder you're expecting people to die but without giving anything away obviously dave if you plan on watching it we've seen two pretty major characters go down already and we're only four episodes in of, of the eight so they're kind of bringing the drama uh, and ramping things up because season two i kind of feel sagged a little bit because they didn't really know what they wanted to do with it i felt season one is such a a good self-contained story that with season two despite there being like new material from the author and stuff i they didn't really they didn't really uh, escalate things in the way that kind of felt natural. It was just more like mm-hmm. a, a continuation and you weren't really, it was, it, you know, when you have those sort of spy things or surveillance things and it all gets a bit who's on whose side and what's going on. And mm-hmm. instead of that being interesting and thrilling, it just kind of felt a little bit like, mm, so what, what is anyone's motivation at this point? Luckily there was a pretty good villain towards the end of it that held it all together. Uh, but yeah, it was a bit, no, it was a bit of a mishmash. But yeah, season three so far is a recommend for me. And uh, yeah, Dasha, in particular, uh, if anyone's seen it out there, is is my new favorite character in the show. It it hasn't fallen off the dramatic cliff that like Sherlock did or anything like that. <sighs> so I, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I, even though Sherlock kind of got trashier and trashier as it went on, I still kind of enjoyed it because. It wasn't it wasn't um, the same show anymore, but what it became, I still enjoyed, but in a completely different way. Like you can't compare the first two seasons of Sherlock to season yeah. three and, and season four. Yeah, because I think it's a different show. Yeah, I think my whole thing has always been uh, like season one loved it, season two liked it, anything after hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it. <laughs> well, the best episode of the show is season two, the Reichenbach fall. Um, yeah. I don't know if you agree or not, uh, but yeah, that episode in particular is great. I think we've talked about Sherlock on, on here before. Yeah, um, yeah so, I put it up about uh, yeah, two months yeah. ago, I think. Yeah. How far have you gotten in it, Mark, or have you watched it all? I think we got to the end of season three, I want to say, I think. I'm pretty okay. sure we yeah we was around at season three, but then we stopped because uh, I think we marathon yeah we marathon through Brooklyn Nine Nine yeah. and now marathon in through Community. You're as well off because I think even like I I think Jack you'd probably agree on this that like season four is. <laughs> I still I'm I'm still gonna watch it at some point. I, yeah. I'm more than happy to sit yeah, down because like, I good like stiff even though I can five. see. Even happy I can is see, not the right word to use. But... 
even though I can see some issues with season three, I'm still enjoying it. I think to the level that Jack was, yeah. so I'm happy to just kind of uh, it's, it's, roll it through. It's precipitous in season four, but I I I, I look forward to hearing your takes on it. All right, okay. Because like season three was the uh, reminded me very much of the you know in the Simpsons, which I've been watching a lot of lately, where the pig is flying through the air. I was like, it's yeah. still good. It's still good. Uh, that was season three for me. <laughs> where it's like there's just enough st- there's just enough stuff in it that was interesting to me. We're like it's still good, it's still good. Trying to convince myself, and then season four was just like oh. Was season four playing the role of Bart saying it's gone, and then yeah. you going I know. Yeah. What well, is it with season fours? Because I've got to get to community at some point. I've got to finish off Sherlock. There's just a thing with season fours that apparently everything goes off the rails. Yeah, at least, oh, community does come back a little bit at least. I guess season um, five of Community I think is my second favorite season after yeah. season two. Like I loved season five. We uh, yeah. we just did the uh, paintball double header in oh, season two yesterday. Hell yes! I was holding my so. tongue when Jack was watching it, or like he was getting towards the end, and I nearly said, "Oh, paintball episode!" But I didn't want him to know that the paintball episode was a thing. Um, and yeah, oh god. Yeah, Arvid as Arvid as Hat and Silo was a good time, and yeah. uh, just for whatever reason, just the fucking bit where like at the start of season two, uh, episode two of that um double header and they're uh like having kind of the meeting and um i can't remember his name he's like look point one pop pop and everyone's just like oh, oh magnitude that's magnitude, magnitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Magnitude. me and jack's favorites <laughs> magnitude stands for magnetic attitude <laughs> like, I, I said, that's, I remember saying that to you jack when you were binging it i was like have you met one of my favorite ancillary characters in it yet magnitude and you're like i don't think i have and then <laughs> you messaged me like a few hours later pop 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 <laughs> <laughs> But that, like, those two episodes, I, I never kind of watch a show and I'm thinking, my God, I wish I was on that set and, like, just being a part of that crew and just being to be able to film that because it looks so much fun. But I was watching those two episodes, like, I fucking love, would love to have been a part of that. Yeah, I think they all had more fun in season five and Chevy Chase left the show, though. Well, yeah. yeah I So I'm, I, my, uh, my YouTube, um, like things that it's offering me to watch there's a whole bunch of stuff there about like them doing panels talking about the show uh and there's like all these things about chevy chase and like i don't want to get to that yet until i've watched the show basically and then i'm just going to yeah. you know dive into all of that stuff because i know um joel McHale and and um uh i can't remember his name but they're doing uh like a like with what scrubs are doing they're doing a kind of re-watching retelling or review of of season one onwards on youtube yeah. at the moment they're actually uh, so I, tonight as we're um tonight as we're speaking uh dan Herman and almost the in the whole original cast of community are going to be doing an online table read of an unaired episode oh my god uh it's everybody but pierce yeah yeah <laughs> wow then, they even get glover involved yes yeah, i suppose he's got nowhere to be at the moment yeah right Harmon specifically said, specifically said, I think it was an Instagram post or something like that, that I saw someone screenshot that was, yes, including Donald Glover. <laughs> um, and I think they didn't get uh, Walton Goggins uh, back. They are replacing his character with uh, Pedro Pascal. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but anyway, um, oh, I was going to say something else about community there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, even if you don't want to read too much into it, Mark, if you know anything about Chevy Chase, the man, nothing you will find out about what happened will come as a great galloping shock to you. I'll say that much. I, I mean, I've I've heard enough to at least have a semblance of an idea, but yeah. I just haven't, you know, 
really invested the time or mm. you know heard a full-on just like discussion about it like i i listened to one thing that uh joel was talking about where it was just like yeah i mean i haven't spoken to him since and he's mm. just he didn't want to be on the show anymore and that was that but uh yeah i'm sure there's there's a lot more to it so. <laughs> all i'm gonna say mark is fat alcoholic piece of shit and you can find <laughs> out what that means when you find out more about chevy chase and to be okay. fair of the two people in that argument at that point in time it would be hard to tell which one of them you're referencing <laughs> it's a very good point <laughs> yeah if you've seen the harman town documentary my word <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's actually worth peeping out when you finish Community as well, Mark, is the Harmontown documentary, just about the the man and the self-destruction in many ways of Dan Harmon. Um, yep. It's, it's f- a fascinating, if grim, watch. Um, uh, such a self-destruction, in fact, that the woman who was his fiance in that documentary now lives in Dublin. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and not w- with him <laughs> yeah, well. or engaged or associated with him in any way. <laughs> Dave, I was thinking when I was watching that Harmontown thing for the first time a few years back, when I when I really got into Rick and Morty, has anybody like as famous as him ever been that open about their mental health issues? Uh, uh, actually, I, Dennis Rodman. Um, <laughs> Dennis Rodman, yes, but I mean, like, he didn't fund his own documentary and show himself like being an awful human being. And um, I mean, maybe he did in North parallel, Korea. The closest parallel I have is Stephen Fry. Because yeah, okay. He Stephen did Fry. a documentary on bipolar disorder, didn't he? He did, yeah. Yeah, but so that was probably the closest parallel. It is a very unusual thing to do that, to be very warts and all. Because yeah. a lot of documentaries that you see uh, that are kind of from the perspective of the person that it's about rather than people talking about them, yeah. a lot of the time it's not very warts and all whereas that was probably more warts and more actually no, you know one one example i have it's not exactly like that because it's not so much about mental health but the fucking some kind of monster documentary mm. yes a, like there you go complete expose or, actually that's reminded me as well do you know what another good one is and it's a music one as well is dig uh the the documentary about the dandy warhols and the brian jonestown massacre uh, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen that. That is an all-time great music doc, and you guys should hang your heads in shame. Um, it, it's incredible about how, like, you know, the Dandy Warhols, who we've all heard of, and the Brian Jonestown Massacre, who some people have heard of, and about how, like, there was one point where the two of them, the two bands were, like, all best friends, and they were all kind of coming up around the same level, and then, like, uh, a lot of success for one band and a lack of success for another, combined with an awful lot of that heroin. Uh, <laughs> oh god does, so it, does it top Lars Ulrich being a petulant fucking child Anton Newcomb full on punts his guitarist in the head at one point uh, alright or is it a that's fanny par, I punts guess. in the head he he definitely fights his guitarist I can't remember if that's who gets a punt in the head uh, <laughs> on stage or just a fan uh, but yeah Anton Newcomb is he's something <laughs> Um, I saw Another it. good one, by the way, is Anvil. It's about, but yes. have you, you guys ever seen that? I've seen Anvil. About a bunch of guys who've just struggled to get anywhere in the music industry, but just through their own like sheer force of will, just continue going on, and just how like bitchy their relationship is, but how much love they have for each other is is so good. That is that's a heartwarming one, I would say, <laughs> even though it's heartwarming because you know they're just never going anywhere, but they're still yeah. carrying on. So yeah, Killing Eve. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I yeah, have... watch watch series one. You'll like it. You'll like it. 
I'm going to fly through my ones here. Um, the three I've been watching. Firstly, I thought um, the, the two episodes of Last Dance this week were excellent. Um, yes. I, I, I don't know if you agree with me on this, Jack, but I think um, these two episodes addressed uh, a couple of the things that people had been kind of wondering why the show hadn't addressed yet. Uh, I saw a couple of tweets and I was kind of like going, well, it's a bit rich to be saying that the documentary didn't cover that when only like four episodes out of ten had come out at that point. Uh, and I was vindicated on that one because two of the things that were um, <clears throat> kind of absent from the first four uh, episodes were um firstly the the entire presence of uh Ku coach yep uh who's an important uh an important name in bull's history and there was like a whole like nearly half an episode dedicated to him uh and then the other thing was i think one of the biggest uh two of the biggest scandals and controversies of michael jordan's career because i think even though it showed him being a bit of an arsehole to his teammates i think uh, people were kind of concerned like was this kind of a bit too glossy were we not focusing in on the real kind of uh, struggles that Michael had in his career and uh, lo and behold these episodes this week tackled not only uh, the massive gambling scandal you know whether he was a gambling addict or that um, and his disappearance after was Atlantic City with his dad before the NBA finals yep um, one year and uh, the the other thing then being his infamous line of uh, Republicans wear sneakers too when he was asked to, to back uh, an African American Senate candidate and yeah. wouldn't on the basis that he thought it would hurt his shoe sales or at yeah. least that was what was alleged but he, like he said he said that once to somebody as a joke yeah. and then yeah. it like got out Obviously, one of his, or maybe a couple of his teammates, were selling stories to the press anyway, because you got yeah. that tell-all book. Um, well, that, yeah, wasn't that that because that they said that that one one specific guy seems yeah. to be the leak. Yeah, and then they sort of interviewed him, and he was like, "No, oh, I wasn't the leak," and everyone was like, "It was him." <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally everybody but him said it was him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where I do think the line, because it was kind of offhanded and stuff like that, was blown out of proportion by the media. But at the same time, like, I don't think Jordan's defense of the whole situation necessarily made me think he didn't believe that. You know, uh, I, I, think I don't think I, he's I think ever it's... believed. Look, I don't think he's ever believed outwardly in wanting to support any political cause. Like Jordan's whole thing is that, and it, it's it was very similar for Tiger Woods as well. Like that they almost wanted to create, even though these were black athletes. It seems like the way the PR in America worked was they wanted to distract people away from that. You saw a lot of parallels as well with the OJ documentary. Well, yeah, that's, creating I was going to say that. the I'm not black, I'm OJ line. Yeah, I'm just this family guy, yeah. you know, they I, just want to... I think it's like a lot of these things where I think the truth probably exists somewhere between the two extremes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily 100% uh, that he was like just worried about shoe sales, but at the same time, I don't think it's 100% on, you know, the, the, the kind of line he gives about just refusing to be. I, I think perhaps there's some element of both that, like, maybe he didn't want to be political, but also the not being political in this specific situation suited him quite well. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? But, that, but you can tell from the documentary, all he cares about is succeeding. Yeah. So part of me thinks that he's saying that as well because he wants to sell the most 
sneakers out of you know yeah. any other brand of sneaker like he wants to like they show him playing coins against the wall with the security guards uh, uh, mm. at the balls like yeah. home stadium that, that security like, guy the star of those two episodes yeah he was like hilarious and it's like the same thing with his gambling addiction jordan just wants to win everything like the yeah. the reason he's whacking out loads of money to guys <laughs> who beat him at golf or whatever is because he was competitive and you know everything had to have some sort of stakes on it for him but mm-hmm. but like that guy said you know if jordan gambles like he paid that guy off what was it 57,000 that guy's like yeah at that point he was like nearly what 50 60 million a year he's good for 57 grand yeah. it's like me or you betting like 100 quid on a on a game of golf or something yeah it's uh yeah it it was interesting and you know what we've got a lot more insights coming up we've got mm-hmm. you know him going off to play baseball and his frustrations as to why did that and space jam space jam which yeah i'm i'm looking forward to the end of his career at the bulls and all of the fallout from um coach jackson leaving and then like that i hope they cover the little bit of his career at the end with the wizards as well just to give like a sort of a, a perspective on the the second comeback of jordan but yeah it's a, it's been so good the thing that i find funny is i was at work the other day dave and literally every single person on the call and there are people on there that I've never even heard talking about basketball. There are people on there that openly dislike sports. They'd all watch this documentary. Yeah. It is number one on Netflix in the UK, which I can't, but I thought was crazy. I thought like, well, this is going to be so niche. Like I've been massive ESPN 30, 30 fan for, for nearly a decade now. Uh, and it's like, I, I'm just um, I'm shocked by the success of it. I think they got that mainstream focus with the OJ yeah. doc, but they've really pushed it over the edge now. I, I think the um, the thing that we discussed before when we were talking about the last dance is that like I, I think whether you like sports or not, um, the iconic sports stars and their careers just the the narratives of those careers lend themselves so well to the structure of a mini series or a documentary True. Um, that it's hard to resist that pull. Uh, and again, combine that with something else that we pointed out and the fact that like, whether you like basketball or not, if you existed during the 90s, odds are you knew who Michael Jordan was. Yeah. Um, so you have that additional kind of like you're either somebody who knows and was interested in what he did and you want to check it out or you know the name and you're like, I don't really know the story. And there's a bit of interest peaked there. Um, and I think... Let's just say the timing of this documentary coming out has has worked out very well for them. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. You know, the the Netflix two episodes a week is really it's very Moorish content for people. I know as soon as episodes nine and ten come out, I'm immediately going to start the documentary series over again and watch the whole stuff, the whole thing in a row. Um, I've heard it's done absolutely unbelievable numbers for ESPN over in the states. Um, so yeah it's 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 amazing stuff and long may these documentaries come out um, something else I watched um, and it's something I was tweeting about the other day um, I've watched I, I watch a lot of kind of um, video essays on YouTube about movies or about culture or about philosophy anything like that and uh, one of my favorites a guy who's I, I think it's real kind of comfort food video essays for me is Patrick H. Willems who does kind of um long-form video essays i've talked about him before in the show um about cinema and um he's done a lot of ones about how he like there there's one i i really love that i've watched several times about how he um he takes the second and third matrix movies and attempts to rewrite both of them get to the same kind of big landmark moments in all of them but fix all the script problems 
uh, going on throughout them, which is an, an arduous task if you've ever seen uh, <laughs> Reloaded and Revolutions. That is a that's an interesting idea. Uh, yeah, can he? Is he going to go and do the same thing for the Star Wars Episode One, Two, and Three when he's done with this? Ah, uh, well, he has. To, I, I think he promised because uh, he did so much when the the re, the uh, seven, eight, and nine came out that I think he's sworn off uh, Star Wars videos for a while. Uh, but he does have a lengthy one on why Last Jedi is is really good so shut up uh, featuring the uh, the line he kept repeating that I really want he's made it into a t-shirt uh, where it's like it's just a movie about space wizards intended for children uh, <laughs> which is like whenever he encounters something in those videos where people are taking Star Wars way too seriously he just repeats that as a, like a little motto and he has the kind of uh, uh, a long long time ago uh, font on a t-shirt with it's just a a movie about space wizards and headed for children, which is a teacher. Yeah. Um, those those three movies are a discussion that could take literally hours, so I will yeah. not chip in on it's that. It's just yeah. not worth it. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, um, just for the abuse that you get anytime anyone yeah, yeah. shares there, an opinion There's on no Star way Wars. because the the three movies are all so different. I don't think there's any way to come down on them where you're not going to make a sizable proportion of people angry. You know. Uh, well, yeah, so, yeah, you're either you're either like erring on the side of like what JJ tried to do with the last one or the first one, or you're liking the interesting direction that it was taken in the middle. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I know um, which I know which path I'm on, but uh-huh. hey. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the same one as myself. But uh, moving on, anyway, his uh, his newest video that came out this week was uh, I think it's about twenty minutes, uh, arguing that the greatest genre movie mashup of all time is Predator, um, and it's it's one of the things I really love about his videos is that like they talk about these classic movies that you've seen loads of times in college or whatever, and then you finish the video and you're like. God damn! I need to watch that movie again. So now I'm really, really Jones on to watch Predator, because uh, it talks about, as you know yourselves, if you've seen Predator, like the first half hour, forty minutes of Predator is like the most awesome kind of like Commando style movie uh, you've ever seen, and then like the second half of the movie is just a great slasher movie. Um, yeah. So yeah, he, he talks about that and kind of just exploring how unbelievable predator is and how it's just a fantastic movie um and yeah i i would thoroughly yeah. recommend both predator, predator, predator and features one of as i say predator features one of my uh favorite lines of all time where it's blaine saying this stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus just like me <laughs> uh and the phrase sexual tyrannosaurus is nothing short of fantastic so yeah Predator is definitely worth a rewatch. Yeah, when your when your movie has uh, Ernie, Carl Weathers, and Jesse Ventura in it, uh, you can't go wrong. Um, so I've heard. <laughs> and then the last thing I've watched, uh, you know, following on the team, the theme of uh, great sports from uh, talking about Last Dance is uh, I watched arguably one of the great sports movies of all time, gentlemen. Rewatched, should I say, the Mighty Ducks. Oh, right. Okay. So this is one of the things that coming with Disney Plus, you get kind of like a whole load of Disney stuff that you either never heard of before or was crap. And then you get stuff that fondly reminds you of your childhood. And like there's kind of because growing up uh, in the 90s again, I think it was kind of like Mighty Ducks was on TV a lot, but... I started seeing those movies a few years after maybe the peak of worldwide popularity of hockey in that era, the kind of like the the heyday of Gretzky and that. 
Um, so I wasn't as aware of hockey watching that as I would have been of basketball watching Space Jam. But at the end of the day, like, how long has it been uh, for either of you since you've watched Mighty Ducks, by any chance? Decades. Yeah, I haven't watched it. I'd say in about 20 years. That goes for both of them. I would actually recommend watching that first one again. It's actually a really good sports movie. Um, like, you know, right, right up there with any you can think of, because it's got like, you know, it's got your usual high spots of a, you know, of a sports movie, like this ragtag team of people coming together, uh, an enigmatic coach, you know, they, they face adversity, they grow together. There's an inspirational speech here or there. Um, yeah, it's actually like I, I was kind of going, oh, you know, this is going to be one of those ones like Space Jam. No one, please, no one crucify me because I love Space Jam, but I'm very aware that Space Jam, if you don't have an emotional attachment to it, isn't a classic of cinema uh, by <laughs> any means. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. But I actually think this is kind of like a, like a really decent family friendly sports movie. I, I like I was really honestly surprised by it. Um, and it's well worth if you got the Disney Plus, you might as well watch it. It's I think it's it's about ninety minutes long, maybe even slightly less. Uh, the one thing I was kind of bothered by because I was like I, I watched it and I was like fuck yeah Mighty Ducks like I used to love Mighty Ducks. I'm gonna watch the other two movies, and that trilogy has a real like shaky because this I I remembered it the wrong way around, and it's the second Mighty Ducks movie is the one where they go to the Goodwill Games as Team USA, right? The one that introduces Keenan Thompson and uh, stuff like that. But then the third one is them going to like a private school where they're they're on athletic scholarships and you know they're kind of at odds with the varsity team that are already there playing hockey and all that sort I of stuff. I don't think I've even seen the third one. I'm not even sure I knew it existed. To me, they've got those movies the wrong way around, where surely, like, the the culminating moment of the trilogy should be Team USA being triumphant. Um, like, I, I really enjoyed watching Mighty Ducks 2, but then watching the third one, I was like, wow, this really feels like the foot is off the fucking gas here. People are, are here for a paycheck. I mean, the problem is, is, like, once you've won as Team USA, really, the only thing you can do after that is space, and that isn't going to work for hockey, so... <laughs> In terms of video games, Mark, you're playing something that I'm, I'm not entirely sure I know what it is. Yeah, so I was just minding my own business uh, yesterday morning when Eurogamer uh, popped out a preview of this game called Ghost Runner. Uh, which immediately took my interest as they used the words Mirrors and Edge. Uh, and, and I like the Mirrors Edge uh, games. They are by no means, you know, any of the kind of classics from the last generation, but I do think that they, certainly the first, was one of the, uh, was a solid, you know, kind of 7 out of 10, almost you could say a ham sandwich type game of the last <laughs> generation. And I'm always good for a ham sandwich. Uh, so... For me, the best way to describe it is, yeah, it has a lot of Mirror's Edge in the way you move around the world, um, mixed in with a whole bunch of super hot. And I'll do my best to sort of explain how that works. So, Mark, did you say the name of the game, or am I imagining that you didn't? It's called Ghost Runner. He, okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I feel like I missed it. Um, That's all right. I was like, has Mark said this or not? I'm going crazy. <laughs> it's a Tetris uh, yeah. Oh. oh. Uh, so yeah, you have tetraminos, and you can run up the side of them. 
and uh, no, so it's so it has a lot of the elements with Mirror's Edge where you're in first person mode and you can, you know, it has that kind of parkour vibe to it where you have like walls that you can run up along the side of very much in the vein of if you've played uh, Advanced Warfare or Titanfall doing that kind of thing. Um, now the actual it doesn't kind of expand too much on that. It doesn't feel quite as free-flowing as Mirror's Edge does. Like, with Mirror's Edge, it was, you know, color-coded on sort of the different objects you could run on and, and interact with. It doesn't have that uh, per se yet, but maybe it'll expand on that, because the demo's only about half an hour long. Um, and the way that it has that kind of soup-hop vibe to it, well, it has the very... Um, like instant death, restart the level or checkpoint type of vibe to it where you'll come into a, an arena with say like four enemies and you have to, you know, kind of run around one by one to, to uh, kill them and you have a blade that you use. So you have to get up close because it's melee and you're pretty much going to expect to die uh, at least a couple of times as you get the trial and error of figuring out how to, what's the best route to navigate round because some of the arenas uh, in this demo at least had like multiple ways you could go and you kind of figure out all right I can get behind this enemy here because he doesn't notice me and he won't take any shots at me uh, it's one shot and you're dead so you know you can't take any hits at all and it has this thing where if you uh, press uh, shift I don't know what be on the controller because you can use it's only on steam the demo and i was you trying to use my xbox controller and it would work but it was very sensitive and none of the the button prompts were registering the controller it was all still using the the uh, keyboard so i just went to, to mouse and keyboard uh, but if you press shift it will give you that kind of like not a double jump but a boost that you can use while you're in the air or on the ground um but it will also if you hold it down to begin with it will slow down time for a little bit first, that kind of max pain um, bullet time sort of uh, slow motion. And it's really useful for when you've got enemies that are shooting at you, because as you slow down time, you can either hold left or right and you'll dodge around the bullet, um, which then you can, you know, plunge in further for the kill. Uh, and that's really cool. That's really satisfying. And as you kind of get to some of the the arenas where you start using the grappling hook, which you get with the the right uh, mouse click, you kind of chain together the the grappling hook, the shift and dodging from left to right, and then uh, killing enemies in one slice with a blade. And there's a very kind of satisfying satisfying slice, uh, whether you kind of you know lob the heads off or take uh, take off the body, and it's pretty cool. Um, it has a very cyberpunk vibe going for it uh, in its tone, its dystopian future that's going for, um, and definitely in the soundtrack as well. I'm really enjoying the soundtrack um, for what was there, very much in the vein of uh, like a perturbator or that you know French uh, electronic uh, retro synthwave sound of the last ten years or so. Um, that alone has me interested to see more about the game. I'm curious to see how it expands on that idea because I think that if it's a lot like that over the course of eight to ten hours, it'll get pretty tedious pretty quickly. Um, and I'd be really curious to see how like they'll expand on if you actually get to use weapons at some point because I think the issue that Mirror's Edge ran into is that it was clearly trying to be something more than a first-person shooter, um, and it was achieving that by not having guns. And as soon as it had guns, which it kind of needed to expand some levels and areas because you had enemies that had rifles and whatnot 
it was kind of a catch-22 situation and I'm, I'll be curious to see how they try and address that but it, you know it's pretty cool the um I said the demo is about 30 minutes long it definitely gives you a taster it ends at a uh you know a cliffhanger point and uh, yeah it's pretty cool so you know if you got steam it's it's up there you can get it for free uh i didn't know anything about this going in i didn't know the game existed until uh until i saw the article but it's it's pretty cool yeah, that sounds uh, worth uh, some some research to see if that might be a thing I like. You've said enough of buzzwords that have kind of piqued my interest, so I'm, I'm going to have a look at that. He had me a French synth popped. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know how to get both you boys, uh, but it'll be coming to PS4 and Xbox One as well. So um, the demo, again, that's just on PC at the moment, but uh, yeah, it should be out, I think, later this year. Cool. Look forward to having a look. Indeed. Uh, Jack, I'm not ignoring you this week, but you did inform me that you've only really been playing Warzone, so... Uh... Yeah, I have nothing interesting to say, except they took helicopters out of Warzone, and I'm sad, because I can't get around as quickly. <laughs> did they say anything about why they took helicopters out? Because I don't know if you... I, yeah. I tagged you the other week to that guy who managed to kill someone by flying out of his helicopter, and it just using it as a missile to take someone out, which was one of the better kills I've seen in a Battle Royale so... recently. So... They found somebody found an exploit where you can fly through like a, a hole in the, in the map and fly underneath the map. Therefore, when it closes on the final uh, circle, uh, yeah. So they had to take helicopters out because yeah, someone found that exploit. So yep. and then everyone yeah. was doing it. Everyone was doing it because it's an easy, cheap way to get a win. Uh, so yeah, that kind of made a bit of a mockery of the of the game. And instead of like I don't know, trying to patch the the map or whatever, they've just taken helicopters out altogether. Well, but, honestly, but, they've done that because they're gonna put find a patch for it, and then they'll put the helicopters back in. It's a short term. Yeah, fix. I hope so. I hope so because uh, I liked helicopters. I think they were helpful in certain situations, even if people would camp in them sometimes. I think I think they had their place in the game. So yeah. Uh, that's me for this week. Oh my god! <laughs> I need to stop playing this game. Uh, next week, Jack. I, next week I will probably. I promise I will play something that isn't just the absolute garbage waste of of playing Warzone over and over again. Even though I say that, but I actually love it. Uh, I've been playing a few bits and pieces. Firstly, Picross S4 dropped last week on the Switch, and uh, nothing much more to report from that, except I'm sure, as Mark will agree, it is more it's a Picross. Whole lot of Picross. Yeah, <laughs> it's just more it's Picross. A, it's a whole fucking mess of Picross. And do you know you what? Play Picross. Do you know what though? Like as I was playing through Picross, I you, I don't know if you picked up uh, Murder by Numbers. I Picross. No, I haven't. No. So like, you know what it is, right? Yeah. I yeah. think we talked about it on here, didn't we? I think we did, yeah. I think I, I, I mentioned it because I was playing it while we were in Germany. Um, my biggest issue that I had while playing Murder by Numbers, and this partly could be because of me, um, but, you know, whenever I was doing any of the parts about the story, I was like, can I just get to the bits where I just fucking play some Picross? And then, so as I was playing Picross the other night, I was like, good, this is just Picross. I don't have to <laughs> faff around with any other kind of bells and whistles, just pure, just, unfiltered just... Picross mainlining Picross. Good man. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what it is. It's just season four of Picross. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a whole lot of it and you should play Picross. And I think it's one of those things, um, 
It's one of those games that you can put a TV show on in the background and have the, the Switch in handheld mode and just play away at it, and it's just kind of a relaxing thing to do. I think there's two types of people in the world, people who love Picross and people who haven't given Picross enough of a try yet. Um, I think it's fairly well accessible. Uh, a lot of people, when they see it, and it's kind of like the way I was before I tried to figure out how to play Picross, um, a lot of people look at it and think it's like Sudoku or something like that, which isn't for everybody. Um, I think it's it's much more accessible than people give it credit for. Um, especially oh, totally. the way those yeah. those games easy in. I will say uh, S4 probably doesn't easy in as much as the, the previous ones and uh, the original Picross no, it's like S. It's Eternal. It, it, it presumes yeah. that you have played, you know. Yeah, it does a couple of the kind of smaller smaller grids and then it just goes straight up to the, the 10 by 10 fairly quickly on it. Brings out the um, Kaka Demon straight away. Yeah, and then straight on the 20... <laughs> straight on to the, the, the next one up from that then. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, you should get it. And, and again, it's one of those things where box a bit smart. And if you're not a Picross person, uh, go get the original Picross S, and which will be less than the new one costs, um, uh, and discover a whole new world. I equate it to something like the kind of, uh, in, in these current circumstances we find ourselves in, I, I uh, equate it to something like a Dr. Kawashima's brain training, where it's just something to keep the cobwebs off, keep you kind of like mentally agile. Uh, solving some puzzles that aren't uh, like the witness levels of, of complex, but still provide, uh, I think after the first couple of pages, a sizable challenge even to um, people who, who play these games on and off. So yeah, play Picross, everybody. Um, and another type of game that's perfect on Switch, by the way, uh, gotta be said. Um, I have been playing Prey again. This is the, the remake of Prey that Arcane uh, put out, uh, published by Bethesda. I think it was not last year, I think the year it was before. About two years ago, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So it was a game that my reflection at the time I'd gotten uh, over halfway through it, and it it lured me in with great kind of uh, Bioshock by way of uh, the Matrix in space um, <laughs> vibes. And uh, if you've played the the starting sequence of that game, you'll know what I mean. Um, and I I felt at the time. Well, one, it's quite difficult. And two, I felt that after such a strong opener, the middle section sagged so much that I just didn't follow through and finish it. So, Which I think was uh, the general consensus with that game. Like, I don't think you were alone with that from what I remember yeah, at the time. But I've seen more and more people talk about it as an immersive sim and, and who got into the customization and stuff and really gave the game time to breathe and did some of the side questing and stuff. And they seem to be really high on it. Um, so I'm giving it another go um, at the moment. And again, I'm, I'm only in the, the part of it I really enjoyed the first time around. But like that game looks and feels great. Um, and it's got some cool vibes. And I, I, I'm not sure if uh, it's going to be for everybody uh, during lockdown because there's a lot of a feeling of isolation to it. Because with the exception of the, the Typhons, the, uh, the kind of uh, shape-shifting creatures that you face on the space station, you are the only one there. Um, so that kind of uh, foreboding and isolation may not be to everybody's tastes, given the current, given the situation we all find ourselves in. But uh, you know, uh, proceed. You've been warned. Um, Dave, I've got the game for you. It's called Alien Isolation. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I, I, what, what I really like about it is those um, typhons. It really adds an edge to the game. That really, like, no matter how far you are through it, so. I don't know. I know because I, I talked your ear off about it 
two years ago when it came out, Mark, but I don't know how familiar you are with the games, Jack. Uh, I've never played a Prey game. Uh, I really don't know much about it, aside from that it's a first-person shooter, and it's Bethesda, and it's one of Take That's best songs. That's about all my knowledge on the word Prey. There you go. Um, do, are you somebody who cares about spoilers for the start of a game? I I wouldn't care about spoilers for the whole game because there are a lot of games that I haven't played as I've probably revealed on this podcast in the last few weeks that I've just like gone and looked up the whole story and watched all the key scenes from. Are you someone that cares about Take That? I mean, I wouldn't say that I dislike Take That, but they're also, you know, they're not something I think about regularly. I would say maybe just once a week, which is a regular amount for someone to listen and talk about and think about Take That, right? It's, it's the government-appointed Take That consideration, period. It, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's a payback thing for Gary Barlow's tax infractions. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're probably the only podcast still ref- referencing that in 2020, so I appreciate our collective hustle on that one. So, guys, about the Panama Papers... <laughs> Um, so here, here's the thing, uh, the, the kind of what Prey, what Prey is about. You play this guy, Morgan Yu, or well, you can be a guy or a girl called Morgan Yu. And um, it's kind of like your first day at the, the kind of like, um, for want of a better term, the family business. I'm going to try and keep uh, keep as vague as I can, uh, but, but also kind of bait you in. Um, and you wake up, it's a normal morning. Uh, you're in your lovely kind of like uh, lush apartment and you get around and you get ready and you put your suit on. There's a helicopter on the roof to bring you to the, the fabulous offices. It's one of my favorite opening title sequences in a game because as you're kind of um, going along in the helicopter, out like if you look out the side window, you can see almost like an ARG. You can see the, the, the kind of lettering for the introduction to the game out on like the top of skyscrapers or on the Golden Gate Bridge and stuff like that. It's like Arcane Games presents and stuff like that. It's really cool uh, effect that's done. <clears throat> you get in and it's asking you to test a bunch of things and you're like, this is weird. It feels like Aperture Science or some shit where like it's asking you to move these boxes out of the squares as quickly as possible. So you're doing that. I think you get through four different tests. And I will say, for want of a better term, something goes wrong. A gas fills the room. You pass out and then you wake up and it's the same morning again. Ah, so is it basically like Groundhog Day, the video game? Well, this is the, the you you get up then and you realize things aren't quite the same, and either you kind of try to go through the same loop again, and that's when you figure out things are different because you had you ran into like a somebody working in the the corridor outside your apartment the first time, and let's just say things have happened to them since the first time. If you go back out again, uh. Or you you do what some people did and you try and throw something at the glass of your uh, apartment and the glass shatters away and you find that there's a camera behind it and it's not outside onto your balcony, it's a studio space. And your whole morning routine has been a simulation and you're not in a skyscraper or going to work or anything like that. You're on a space station. Uh, orbiting the moon and there have been holes shot in your memory and your only guide are audio logs left by yourself explaining that your memory is shot full of holes and an AI that will guide you around that was designed by yourself before things happened 
Um, and this space station has been under attack from some sort of alien species called Typhons, the most basic versions of whom are called Mimics. And Mimics can do, as it says on the tin, mimic literally any inanimate object in the game. So you're walking around the space station and you see a bin and in about half a second, that bin could explode into this little uh, black ink squid type creature and start attacking you. Um, and it, like it keeps you constantly on edge as you're going around. There are tougher versions of Typhons, bigger ones, uh, stronger ones that don't mimic, that are just ambling around. But uh, yeah, the most basic kind can literally be anything. And it's cool because after a few hours in the game, you get to kind of get a vibe for the mimics where you will notice things are slightly askew. Like sometimes, for example, the most obvious kind of one is you'll see a bin and you'll see another bin right beside it, slightly out of place with where you would put a bin in the room. So then you go, okay, right, that's a mimic. So I'm just going to attack that straight away before it gets a chance to explode and attack me. Um, or you get you get different weapons throughout the game, the, the best one being the, the glue gun. Uh, it, it, you're able to freeze the mimics in place and just shatter them with your wrench then. Um, and you're also able to kind of like in a dual use as well as use it as an offensive weapon to help you tackle the, the Typhons. Uh, the glue gun can be used to literally shoot bridges made out of glue so that you can cross gaps or get up to ledges and things like that, which I think cool. is a really cool way around things. There are different neuro mods you pick up in the game to get those those sweet RPG element style upgrades to yourself. Uh, there are what else is in the oh yeah so something I really like about the game is kind of the the ammo the way ammo is done in the game, and that's there are recyclers and fabricators and you pick up uh, formulae for the fabricator throughout the game about this can fabric fabricate canisters for the glue gun this can fabricate bullets shotgun shells things like that and um as well as that you have the yeah the the recycler which is basically all the junk you pick up throughout the game like banana peels cigars all that kind of crap you pick up in your your average immersive sim that's just lying around the space station you fill up your inventory full of that and you go to the uh, the recycler and you just drop all the junk in and it turns it into like organic and non-organic and metallic matter that you can then use to build uh, your ammo and stuff like that with so it's really kind of um an ingenious way to get around that and it encourages it encourages you to scrounge and search and uh do upgrades that allow you to repair various recycling and fabrication machines that are kind of dotted around the space station and obviously the whole point of the game is finding out not only getting rid of the typhon scourge but also trying to figure out what happened <laughs> You know, what led to this and the whereabouts of all the crew that were supposed to be on the ship. You know, one of the, just to go back um, a few minutes there, one of the design tropes of this generation that I do not care for, not, well, I don't care for the fact that they're there, but I do care for the ways that they try and shoehorn them into it is the whole audio logs thing, which has just become since, uh, I want to say it's Bioshock Infinite was the first time I remember it. Uh, oh, well, well, Bioshock Original had loads. Oh, Bioshock, of course. Yeah, Bioshock Original. Um and like the way that you explained it there actually gives it kind of like a, a decent reason for audio logs to exist but yeah. it still is like okay how do we get audio logs into the game all right this is the way we're going to do it well the the way a lot of the audio logs so there are some that are kind of um recorded messages and things like that and then there's the stuff from the ai um 
but the way they do it is very clever because a lot of it kind of weaves into either you'll have a specific mission to find out what happened to this person from the crew or there could be things kind of locked behind uh, Officer X's office and by going and looking through audio logs you pick up on things like oh this stuff is being stored here so you find out a bit of information that you actually practically need yeah. while it's also filling in story details and also that way you can pick up so the other way that kind of there's a version of audio logs in the game is that when you find a computer terminal either locked or unlocked uh, there will be emails in the inbox and some of those inboxes will contain passwords and things like that for either other computers or for safes or for office doors uh the game kind of uh at various points will kind of go choose the way you play so the the first example of that is you have to get into this particular office and it offers you one of two ways you can either try and scrounge around and find the key card or the password that gets you past the door or you can try and find another way in so somewhere in the accessible part of the space station you have there will be like a service hatch or something like that where you can kind of crawl through the vents and get there or there will be a similar thing to that uh, so when you kind of you can almost brute force some of them later in the game because when you get enough upgrades you can like lift heavy things out of the way of doors that create shortcuts uh, or you can repair automatic doors that won't open and, and things like that so it really it kind of like typical of the the immersive sim genre there are more than way there's more than one way to skin a cat on a lot of these uh different puzzle solutions so i think the way they've inserted the audio log uh parallel uh or analog here is um is really good i think um and i'm interested to see like because i can't really quite remember why it is i completely lost steam with it i i feel like the difficulty would spike randomly in a middle section that felt a little bit aimless to me so i've dropped the difficulty down a little bit just to see because i'm, I'm I, the the story was interesting to me when there was heavy story stuff at the start uh, so i'm gonna kind of be uh going through that while i'm also going through the other game uh that i'm playing this week and that jack will be very delighted i finally broken the back on that's final fantasy 7 remake um and yeah i don't really have i i'd love for us to get together and do like a big spoiler cast on it when I, I've completed it, Jack. But um, so far at the end of three chapters, uh, I really like that game. I think it's really pretty. Um, I feel like the the battle system in it is better for me than turn-based action in older RPGs would have been. I felt like, I, I feel like I lose patience with those systems in games that aren't Pokemon very quickly. Fair enough. Um, so that the way the system is now, it, it probably makes more sense in a contemporary game as well. You know what I mean? It, it feels more like a, a, a modern battle yeah, system. Yeah, I think it does. I I kind of feel like I don't mind, because Final Fantasy and Pokemon are the only versions of that really left in my life. I kind of didn't mind mm. it too much when I was into one of those battle systems. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel that's what's going to be interesting if we can get the two of us to do a big spoiler cast on it because I feel like some of the things that you may prefer about the original are things I prefer about this one and, and there'll be kind of give and take like that. Um, and, and obviously our good friend Matt Niner has, has hinted to me that he's really particularly interested to see what I, as someone who never played the original, think of the ending because obviously whatever changes have been made to the game seem to give people who hold the game in, in high esteem from back in the day uh, 
things to think about, for want of a better term. They've made some very um, interesting choices with the narrative and gone yeah. extremely meta, um, is my understanding of what they're doing with it so far. So yeah, it'll be interesting to, to talk about from that perspective, but yeah. I'm glad to it's hear you're meta- enjoying it. Yeah, it's Meta Gear Solid. Um, <laughs> the, I, I will say that I think by far and away my favourite thing about it is the soundtrack. Uh, I fucking love the music. I love it, love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, almost yeah. like all of that shit I've been saying to you for years and years about Nobuo and Matsu being the greatest is is true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, it's uh, some screaming yeah. hot tapes takes here, Dave. It's got to be said. <laughs> I know, right? I know. But you got to remember, this is my my first real exposure. Like, apart from trying a few hours of Final Fantasy X when that came out, uh, to a Final Fantasy game in general. So I'm I'm pleased to report back that I I, I I'm not just like ah trash. Um, <laughs> so there you are. Um, I wouldn't expect you to be like that anyway. I would expect <laughs> you to have a bit more of a, a, a you know eloquent way of saying that you thought it was trash <laughs> hot trash yeah uh yeah uh we move on to the news anyway and uh we had a, a whole hell of a lot of announcements regarding the xbox one series or the xbox series x um which is the former project scarlet the new xbox device that looks like a mini fridge uh coming out this holiday and uh this first story mark is about the smart delivery system between xbox one and series x and is this what i think it is if you think it is what it is it's the uh, (laughs) thing where if you buy if you buy the game well you know if you if you buy the game um when the xbox series x comes out uh, it will automatically, you know, upgrade to all the kind of shiny bells and whistles that the new console will have. Yeah. So um, if you buy the game on Xbox Xbox One, you can upgrade it for Xbox Series X, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. if I'm correct, the only thing we knew at the time was uh, Cyberpunk 2077, Yeah. Uh, was going to have they had gone that. rogue and announced themselves that they were doing that, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they announced uh, a whole bunch of other games as well. So the Ascent, Assassin's Creed. Valhalla, Call of the Sea, Chorus, Dirt 5, Scarlet Nexus, Second Extension, Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines 2, and Yakuza Like a Dragon, uh, which I'm pretty sure all of these games appeared in the uh, Inside Xbox uh, stream presentation that was yesterday. Um, And the majority of them will also be on PS5. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's it's really cool that they're doing this. Uh, EA will, will also be doing this, but obviously because it's EA, they have to be doing things their own way. Uh, they have this mild little caveat that you have to have purchased the Xbox One version of Madden NFL 21 by the 31st of December, and you must do the upgrade to the Series X by the 31st of March 2021. Uh, now, this obviously is probably because the, the window for when a sports title like a Madden you know will be purchased is probably within those first three months um but it's still there's, just a completely needless fucking thing to do there's a balancing act i think because obviously the business motivation is that like if you don't have a window in which you can do this then the motivation to buy the new console is quite low um but if you have the you know as a business i i think ethically it's bleh because you're you're trying to wean people off to a console they may not be able to afford um, but I, I can see from a business point of view, you know, it's it's kind of, it's the real reason behind all the excuses why backwards compatibility hasn't been a huge thing crossing generations. It's because they, they, 
they want to give you they they want to basically make you change generations as quickly as possible um so I, I imagine that's why it is as well as kind of like the uh whatever man hours they have to put into staffing people to make sure that whole system runs as smoothly as possible yeah but um, it's just it's hilarious that you know you've got all these different publishers on board and it's the one and it would happen to be ea uh, <laughs> that have taken this step um you know i been curious to see if we had an activision on here and how they'd have reacted and handled this as well mark are you mm. suggesting that ea doesn't have the best track record when it comes to what's best for their customer i mean i'm uh, not saying that they weren't that voted that voted the worst company uh two years running i think it was like 2013 and 2014 in north america mm. but um you know i mean in in the grand scheme of things uh relative to ea it's not the worst or the shadiest practice or te uh technique they've thrown at us but hey here we are Speaking of shady tactics, Activision are in the news again. <laughs> um, and the uh, it seems quarantine is working very well for Activision Blizzard as even though revenues were down 2% on the previous year, uh, they are still some way ahead of ma uh, management's prior expectations. Profit before tax rose 6.5% year on year to 604 million, reflecting increased contribution of higher margin subscription, licensing and other uh, revenues. The group announced a 41 cent dividend up 11% on 2019. The group has upgraded revenue and earnings per share guidance for the full year by 5.4% and 20% respectively. Share price in pre-market trading rose 4.5%. Uh, so it's good to see the little guy getting a victory here mark <laughs> yeah well let's be honest this, this doesn't come as a surprise uh between jack playing warzone for the last two months yeah straight, it's all me yeah uh and <laughs> you know you're specifically mentioned yeah you need to, you need to see the skins on all of my warzone guys yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean you've got like if you combine activision and blizzard there you've got world of warcraft hearthstone and overwatch on blizzard side and then for activision you've obviously got uh, Warzone, which has um, it's got about 60 million players, I think. Since 60 launch. million individual players. Oh my. Yeah, God. and then there's the mobile version of Call of Duty as well. So it doesn't come as a surprise that um, they're just, yeah, they're making a lot of money because everyone's at home. And it, you know, it, it doesn't come as a surprise. It's, uh, I can't say I'm thrilled about it, but. You know, you can only hope that the money from that goes down to the people that have actually worked on these games and not to shareholders, but who am Straight I kidding? Right into Bobby Kotick's pocket. The yeah. whole of those profits have gone right in for him. Yep. Worst human being in America continues to succeed. And Bobby yeah. Kotick's doing well as well. I uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Activision because you know they don't really need the attention. I do, I wanted to ask if I you two watched the um, Xbox stream yesterday. If you saw any of the game trailers, um, no, I I saw a few screenshots that uh, really uh, you know the way sometimes with like early in the generation you expect people to show the really technically impressive stuff. Uh, that yep. show off. Oh, this is the power of this thing. I wasn't really getting that vibe from no. the screenshots I was seeing from the Xbox. It honestly, uh, honestly, like a lot of the stuff there, it, you know, there was nothing there that made me think. All right, this is next gen stuff. Um, uh, like the, I mean, the between the the original Assassin's Creed trailer and this Assassin's Creed trailer, which was apparently meant to be gameplay footage. Which I'm um, sorry, but no, that is not gameplay footage. 
and and I know um, Gary Kidney was talking about this on Twitter uh, yesterday, just talking about like we're at this point now where Cork's favourite son. Yeah, but we're at this point now where in terms of like graphical ability, there's nothing you can throw at me. There's no kind of like level of technical direction with the art that you can go in that's going to truly like wow me in a way that I've never been wowed before because you can't go any further than this. Um, um, you know, someone I'm sure will prove me wrong at some point. You can, but, but I think the depth of human perception only goes so far. So we're at a graphical yeah. point now where, like, you're not going to notice if, like, this is just a really rough thing to say. But if we go from, like, 500 million pixels to 2 billion pixels, it's not going to make that much difference to the naked eye of the average No, of course person. not. So at this point, it's all about art direction. And uh, I said yesterday that, you know, I would rather take a game like Breath of the Wild or Cuphead then you know I'm sure Assassin's Creed Valhalla looks technically impressive but other than like the direction it's going in terms of its Valking, uh, uh, Vikings setting what differentiates that against Origins or Odyssey you know it just they look relatively similar um, and so these trailers like you've got Scarlet Nexus which just looks like any old fucking weeb anime that I've seen. Scorn, again, it looked technically impressive, but it just looked like a tech demo more than anything else at this point. You know, the, the key thing with all these trailers is there was no real gameplay footage. To, uh, other than um, uh, Bright Memory Infinite looked to be like an actual, some, some sort of footage, but even then it looked very doctored in a way that I'm not convinced that it was actual gameplay footage. But yeah, there, mm. there was nothing across... These, other than the, the Vampire, uh, the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, that one looked pretty cool, was quite stylish in its presentation. Um, but uh, there was nothing out of that stream yesterday that had me chomping at the bit. Speaking of new games on the horizon that might have the 2E <laughs> chomping at the bit, uh, our good friend Honey Talk has a new game coming out apparently. Um, what what the hell? Actually, <laughs> like, more hilarious than this. You know, there's a new skate game coming out as well. I heard that they there skate wasn't four confirmed. a new skate. No, there is a new skate game and it's coming to mobile. It's Skate Three on mobile. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, so you just trolled us there. How dare you? It's a new skate game. It's not. It's Skate Three on mobile. <laughs> That's not a new skate game. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what is it? So. Uh, professional skateboarder Jason Deal said there's a new Tony Hawk's Pro Skate again coming this year. Um, I, I can't, you know, we'll have to see how much of this is actually official or how many NDAs well, that he broke by doing this. Yeah, um, Activision yeah. are making it as well, which is interesting. Well, so, wait, because the last one, Tony Hawk's 5, that was the end of the agreement with Neversoft, right? Uh, no, that was Robomodo had taken over <laughs> from Neversoft. But was it still not published by Neversoft, or I can't remember the. I don't because know, the... but Robomodo made it, and it sucked. So now let me let me let me have a look. You two talk about this for the moment while I go and check it out. Well, I mean, if it's gonna be a good Tony Hawk game, I'm really excited. I don't know about you, Dave, but <laughs> it's one of um... it's one of those things in life that I just kind of miss. Like I haven't had a no a new Tony Hawk game. In, in so, 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 so many years that I've actually played all the way through and, and really enjoyed. Um, I, I didn't mind the revert versions of Tony Hawk 2 and 3 in the HD collection. I thought it was all right. Mm. 5 was a constant pain that never ends. But yeah, I probably have to go back to like fucking 
Project 8 or something to to think of the last time that I enjoyed playing a new Tony Hawk game. I wouldn't say I'm I'm well, I suppose comparatively I am the low man on Tony Hawk, but that's not to mean I hate it or anything like that. How it's dare just you? I don't have the same affection for the series you guys do. But uh to me it's a kind of once bitten twice shy thing where like again, I'm looking at this uh, six axis six axis uh um, article about the, the possibility of the new Tony Hawk game and they quoted their own review of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 which is just iconic Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 should be remembered as not just a bad game but as an indicator of the industry's hubris where <laughs> games are continuously released in a broken state it's a shame because if, if there was more time Robomoto's eff- efforts might have eventually led to a fantastic skateboarding game instead of a classic franchise has been tarnished and an audience, audience scorned so Sorry. Yeah, Tony Hawk's 5 was published by uh, Activision because it was at the end of their uh, licensing agreement with them, which is you know part of the reason why it was rushed out in the state it was. So the idea that this one would be published by Activision, uh, I why Tony Hawk himself would agree to that is beyond me. But I mean, but that they didn't more... make it, so they just published it. No, it's, but they it's published Rob- it still. It, yeah, but it's Robo Robo Modo that made it. That's like saying, you know, I produced an album, I released it on Sony, but I produced it. If the album sounds shit, it's not Sony's fault, it's my fault, right? Well, in fairness, yeah, I know Robo Modo don't have exactly a great uh, track uh, record or history with the Tony Hawk series. Between... Also, not easy to say quickly, Robo Modo. No, Robo-Modo. between the, the 2012 remake, which wasn't great, between Shred and Ride, which were not great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as long as they are a million miles away from it, I'm I'm excited for a new uh, Tony Hawk game to come out. <laughs> but that is yeah. a big well, caveat. Yeah. Look, guys. I uh, I really hope I'm really pulling for you. I hope you get <laughs> that game. Are you, but... are you just thinking we're just like thumbing around? Like yeah. I, I I think Mark's re- more realistic. I just saw a new Tony Hawk game and just got excited. What's wrong with me? <laughs> but we still got Skatebird coming out soon. So. Yeah. And also news, the the company uh, that made that cool Quentin Tarantino documentary I told Dave to watch a few weeks ago yeah. have just acquired the rights for the former Kickstarter project History of Tony Hawk documentary that they were making called like Pretending mm. to be a Superman or something along those lines. So we're going to get that documentary this year, which is also going to be really cool. Uh, so I guess like if they coincide that dark with like the releasing of a new Tony Hawk game it will kind of, kind of tie in and it might get some of the nostalgic element and the happiness back amongst the fans who were as Dave said so badly scorned by Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 I am still an, a smiling grinning idiot who's expecting this to be good because I just when it comes to that Tony Hawk games I just have eternal hope I, I can't stop myself yeah. Uh, but speaking of something that's going to get Jack's uh, hype up, uh, it looks like 2K have uh, acquired the rights to PGA Tour and are planning PGA Tour 2K21. Now, Jack, your very first proper appearance in this show was slamming <laughs> how bad golf games had gotten um, yeah. a few years ago. Oh my so God. where do you feel... Now, bear in mind what has happened to WWE games... Uh, under the 2k banner uh i i wouldn't want to get you too hyped up about this but uh can it really be much worse probably yeah so uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so like rory mcelroy's pga tour was like such a like half finished just just it was shout out basically by ea 
And it was so disappointing because it's like half the reason they didn't make a new Tiger Woods game is because of the whole scandal thing going on around the time. And then, sorry, okay, Rory McIlroy is probably the next most famous thing you can think of in golf. Just give the series to him. Uh, but then the game was so bad, so unfinished, and had like a weird system in it that was like, you know, you had to play through all these levels like you do on like one of those mobile games where you've got to get like three stars and everything and end up having to pay money and microtransactions. And it was like, why is this even in this game? And why is it so unfinished? I, I couldn't understand it. And then it just went away. Like, the golf games, they just, they disappeared. The golf club have sort of been, you know, kicking around. And uh, and then I heard 2K were taking over. And I'm like, oh, man. I, I, I just have no hope for this being good at all. I kind of put the Tony Hawk and the PGA Tour things in there. It's like, I don't know why I'm so hopeful for Tony Hawk. But all of my hope is gone for hearing 2K are going to be taking over this this, this golf series and I can't even tell you how much time I wasted playing the sort of early 2010 uh, variants of, of the Tiger Woods games especially once they put Augusta National in there so I am the sort of guy that would sink hours upon hours upon hours into something like this but only if it's good and if it sucks yeah it's going to be another heartbreaker and they just need to hurry up and make a new Mario Golf we got a new Mario Tennis so just give me Mario Golf on my on my Switch or just release Mario Golf Toadstool Tour fr from GameCube on the Switch and uh, and I'll just play that for a hell of a lot of time and uh, if it covers up the deficit left by 2K taking this over while I while I do agree with you there, I mean, so this has been <clears throat> published by 2K, but it's been developed by HP Studios, who were behind the Golf Club and the Golf Club Two, um, and they've done a bunch of sports games, uh, yeah, they like have. Rugby Fifteen, uh, Madden NFL Thirteen, going back to like FIFA Eleven, FIFA Ten, so you know their pedigree is in sports games, and they have been making golf club uh, golf games, so that gives me at least some sense that this will be okay and yeah, yeah i mean that makes WWE me 2k WWE 2k it was a trash fire uh 2k 20 was a trash fire nba 2k 20 from all i've ever kind of read and heard about it is that it's fine and um i don't know i i think that like if they've put it in the right hands here that yeah. it will be serviceable uh yeah. and it will probably have some bullshit ultimate team type thing that i think nba 2k20 has and uh yeah well would you be collecting cards of rory mcelroy yeah i was gonna say do they do like an ultimate team version of like the Ryder cup where you can get like fucking jack nicholas and sevi Ballesteros and stuff on it do you know what like, i'm saying that and i'm like I i'm trying to make out like that doesn't excite me but actually that weirdly does excite me so i should probably stop <laughs> talking problem, so someone from problem. 2k is probably listening going we're gonna target advertising but yeah as long as so if it's in a good like sub studio hands then because my, my initial fear is, like, if it just goes to the same sort of sub-studio that is churning out those terrible WWE games, then I'm sad. But if it's the guys who were involved making the golf club, then I'm happy, because those are solid. They're unspectacular, but now they've got a big uh, studio overarching it. Maybe a little bit more increased funds, and they can do a bit more, and uh, maybe we get a good game. But, yeah, hearing 2K's involvement with anything normally makes me nervous. But, hey, we'll see what goes down. Hmm. Maybe they can I get was pitched. Say, it can't involved. get any worse, but apparently it can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, look, we had a big topic for this week, but uh, we've sadly run out of time. Such is our level of waffle on this program. So tune in to Link to the Cast next week where we'll trim down the top half of the show so that we can finally get to the topic we had picked, which was going to be emotional video game moments. Those those moments in games that just absolutely wrecked you. Um, so it's going to be a real cheery podcast. <laughs> I, um, I think it is a cheery podcast. I, I was really... Yeah. I When I was putting my list together i was i was actually even though some of them are sad moments it was making me happy thinking about playing those games yeah i i think uh it's going to be an interesting journey because of the perspectives we all come from and the types of games we like to play what uh video games kind of resonated with us in that way so i'm looking forward to talking about that next week i'm having um, a real tough time not putting gears of war on twice but that's uh, an <laughs> internal conflict to have with myself i guess I'm having a real tough time not doing every single Final Fantasy game between Final Fantasy VII and Final well, Fantasy Well, obviously, the, obviously, when we talk about it, the number one moment is going to be press X to pay respects, but uh, outside of that, it's all up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, anyway, look, that's going to do it for another episode of Link to the Cast. At Link to the Cast on Twitter is where you want to go to keep up on the shows when they're posted or anything that we're talking about on there, or let us know how you're enjoying the show. Um yeah, go follow us on there, facebook.com forward slash link to the cast as well. Uh, link to the cast.wordpress.com is a site where the show notes and everything like that goes up. Uh, our shows go up there as soon as they are posted, so keep an eye there as well. Um, individually, I'm at the day to Dave, Jack is at Jack Lazell, and Mark is at Mark Robinson X2. There you go. That um, was the first time you've said it with conviction. Proud of you. That's because I get to this point in the spiel that's on my notes, and I realize that it still says Lithium Project, <laughs> and I panic. Um, <laughs> So I, I need to I'm not saying that. that I keep changing it back to Lithium Project every week, but... <laughs> uh, but yeah, do check us out, uh, and we shall uh, see you again next week for more video game chat and some of those emotions. We'll see you next week, guys.